going to be in First uh, John chapter five. First John chapter five. And we're going to begin in verse 12 in just a moment. Olympic athletes, they actually train very rigorously. And they have a daily schedule that they set up. And they've got things they do at different times. And they've got goals and strategies to achieve these Olympic goals uh, so that they can win a medal. Now, it's a great honor to receive an Olympic medal. But you and I, who know Jesus Christ, are working for eternal rewards that are much greater. And uh, we have been given the opportunity to develop some habits in our lives that will help us be effective as God's people while we're here and will help us prepare for those rewards. Uh, Scripture calls those rewards imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful hope? Uh, five uh, things that we see from the Scripture uh, that God says we can know. Uh, we can know that those who put their trust in Jesus have eternal life. Isn't that true? Uh, we can know that if we ask something according to God's will, that he hears us. Um, we can know that as we pray for somebody for salvation who hasn't yet crossed God's deadline, that they'll be saved. Um, and and we, we can know uh, as we work uh, in the kingdom of God that uh, we can show Jesus through our conduct as we walk filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we know the way of eternal life and we can share. And we know that as we share the gospel, there is a power in the, in the message of the gospel and the word of God that can change people's lives. It's, it's an amazing thing. And so John is talking about these things we can know. And, and as he does, I think we see these, these habits Four life-changing habits that we can develop as God's people to help us employ these things for the kingdom of God. And that's the title of my message is Four Life-Changing Habits. So look with me at verse 12. It says, that the one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we have asked of him. If anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him. Those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death, uh, there's a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin that doesn't lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin. But the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. 
And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one. That is, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. So for life-changing habits, what habits can we develop? Well, first of all, develop the habit of trusting Jesus. Develop the habit of trusting Jesus. If you look at verse 13, he says, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Now, it is true that we enter into salvation by faith or by belief, trust in Jesus Christ. But it's also true that we walk by faith as Christians. The victory that overcomes the world, as John says earlier, is our faith. And as we learn to develop the habit of trusting Jesus, we can see God do some amazing things in our lives. Abraham, the scripture says, believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. That's what happens at salvation, right? God credits the righteousness of Jesus Christ to us when we put our trust in him. It's an amazing thing. The Bible calls it justification. Where God takes those filthy rags of my sin off of my shoulders and he puts on my shoulders the beautiful, shining, white robe of Christ's righteousness. And that is the basis. Christ's righteousness is the basis on which we can come into God's presence boldly in prayer, that we have the heritage as his sons and daughters, as his people. Uh, it's all because of Jesus. He is the reason for our eternal life. But we receive that eternal life by faith or trust or belief. All those words translate the same Greek word. Um, trust in Jesus Christ. Somebody said you trust him like a parachute. Um, you, 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 if you've got a parachute and you're in a plane, you're going to jump out of a plane, what do you need to do? Well, if you're smart, you need to put the parachute on, right? Because otherwise, you're going to hit the ground pretty fast, and it's not going to be pretty. So you put that parachute on, and, and then you trust that that parachute is going to catch you in the wind. Otherwise, you wouldn't jump out of the plane, right? We trust that Jesus and his death on the cross is sufficient for the payment of our sin. We trust that what he has done when he said it is finished is enough to give us eternal life. Is enough to make us God's children. Is enough to bring God's forgiveness. We put all of our trust in Jesus Christ alone. The Bible says there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the only way. And so... Um, we, we develop the habit of trusting Jesus by taking that first step of trusting Jesus. And we can know that when we put our faith in him, we have eternal life. But this word in this verse is actually a, a participle. It's a present participle, which you say, well, why do I care about that? Well, here's the reason. Because it means that it has a kind of an ongoing sense. Okay? So those who believe in the name of the Son of God have eternal life. So the person that trusts in Christ on an ongoing basis has the mark or evidence 
of God's life-transforming power upon their life. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. So, um, this ongoing idea of trusting God, this is to be the habit of our lives. We walk by faith, not by sight. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of things you can put your trust in in this world. Uh, some people put their trust in what the media says. Not too good an idea lately. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of different things that are being said that are, that are completely wrong. Um, some people put their trust in science. But did you know scientists disagree about things? They do. Um, some people put their trust in the government. Or a branch of the government. Government is a blessing from God. When it, when, when, uh, even, even bad government can be a blessing from God, which I don't have time to get into that, but it's true. But government's not where you should put your trust. You need to put your trust in God. And, and, and in this world where, where there's trouble and where there's difficulty, we can trust in God. David found, David had, a, the government was chasing him. Can you imagine that? King Saul wanted to put David to death. He was running from place to place for years while Saul pursued him to take his life. And yet the Bible says David went into a cave and he strengthened himself in his God. And I believe God was leading David and guiding David during that season of his life and helping him. Listen, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter if the Antichrist is the president or in the Congress of our, our United States, Jesus is still in control. We can still trust his name. We serve a living God. Do you believe that? Listen, you need to trust God in raising your kids. Some people say, well, they trust Dr. Spock. Well, I'm not going to spank my kids. The Bible says if you spank your kids, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm just talking about a little, little sting and a swat on the rear, okay? That's all I'm talking about. The Bible says it will teach them wisdom. It will teach them self-control. And it will help them avoid making bad decisions and going down a wrong path. Now, uh, trust God in your, in your business, Listen, everybody cheats. Everybody does these things. Listen, if you're a child of God, you need to honor God in your business. You need to be honest. You need to do what you say you're going to do. You need to do your work with excellence to the glory of God. And let Him worry about rewarding you. What about uh, honoring God with your finances, trusting Him with your finances? People say, well, you know, I can't trust God. I can't. And we, you know, we, we have, our people give, okay? I'm not, I'm not preaching. You guys are great to give uh, to the church, and you, you've been great during this time of, of coronavirus. But, but a lot of people, they, they just, they don't want to, to trust God in their finances. And, and they're, they're unwilling to, to honor God with the first fruits of their increase. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, honor God with the first fruits of your increase, and your barns will overflow. God honors those who honor Him. 
You can trust him. I remember my mother ta- taught us with the tithe, you know, to the 10%. Um, I remember back in the old days when you could still get something with a dollar. Uh, I'd get a dollar to allowance or something, maybe $5 on a good week, you know. But uh, we'd take that dime, and we would take that dime to church, and we would put it in the offering plate to honor God with the first fruits. I want to tell you something. God will honor you as you honor him. And as you trust him in your life. Trust him with your circumstances. Are you having problems in your marriage? Take it to God in prayer. Are you having problems with your kids? Ask God about it. Go to God's word. Get, tell God, say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm not sure what I need to do. What, what, about, uh, what about your future? Are you worried about your future? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Listen, we serve a God who can do all things. Put your trust in Him. And if you develop this habit in your life, I'm convinced it will change your life. You will have more joy in your life. You will have the power of God upon your life as you trust Him. You will see God do things in your family, in your relationships, at your workplace as you trust Him. And as you take these things to God in prayer, God will work in your life. Great, great habit to develop. So, four life-changing habits. What should you do? Uh, What should you develop? First of all, trust Jesus. Secondly, ask Jesus. I've kind of mentioned asking. But look at verse 15. Back it up to verse 14. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, this is not talking about auditory registering what you're saying, okay? Okay. This is talking about giving us a yes answer. Okay? This is more than just, in some cases, uh, God hears us and says no, right? He did that with Apostle Paul. Paul had some kind, he called it the thorn in his flesh, and we're not really sure what it was, probably some kind of physical ailment. But uh, Paul prayed for God to remove it three times, and God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so uh, Paul said, I'm going to delight in my weakness because God's power rests upon me. So God sometimes will say no, but what he's asking here, or what he's saying here, is that if we ask God something that we know is his will, every single time he'll answer. Now get a hold of that. Take that and, and chew on that and think about that. that that'll start getting you excited. What do you know that is God's will? You ask him for it. See what he will do. Pretty powerful stuff. Now, he goes on and he says not only to ask him generally according to his will and that we know we have what we've asked of him, but he, he, he starts to talk about what I believe is a, uh, my translation says fellow believer. Literally, uh, the Greek word says brother, Okay. And you can, you can, you can uh, take the word brother. The word brother is used in a number of ways in Scripture. It's used sometimes of Christian brothers, which apparently in the translation they took it that way, a Christian brother, fellow believer. But brothers can also be uh, equivalent to the idea of who's your neighbor, right? You remember the guy that asked Jesus that? He said, well, who's my neighbor? I'm supposed to do good to my neighbor. Who's my neighbor? 
And Jesus said, your enemy is your neighbor, basically, with a good Samaritan story, right? So, um, uh, your brother can be uh, just any human being that God has created, right? We, we use that even today in that way, the, the brotherhood of mankind. Uh, and so, um, I, I see this as a brother in the sense... Now, this, this also may be intentionally ambiguous because he's writing to a church, right? Can I tell you, not everybody that names the name of Jesus knows him. You may call him a brother, but they may be a brother in the generic sense and not the spiritual sense. So why do I, why do I make an issue of that? Well, because there's a couple of ways to look at this idea of the sin unto death. Some believe the sin unto death is a believer who sins to the point to which God takes him home. But he says, if you pray for him, he will give him life. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you already have life. You already know Christ, right? So I don't think that's probably the best, the best uh, interpretation of sin unto death. Uh, some believe sin unto death means losing your salvation. I don't believe that either. Because a sin unto death, uh, in that case, would be a sin to the second death, which would be hell. Uh, the Bible says no one can pluck that one that believes Jesus out of his hands. You can't pluck yourself out. Okay? I know some people disagree with that. but And by the way, how long is eternal life? It's eternal, right? It's not life till you mess up. Or life as long as you live good enough. It's eternal life. It's also a gift. Right? The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. So if you have to live good enough to hang on to it, it's not a gift. You're working for it. Right? So I don't believe he's talking about losing your salvation. What I do believe he's talking about is the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin? That's another, another thing. But he says the unpardonable sin is basically this. An unbeliever who is dealt with by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's tugging on their heart, trying to get them to be saved. Giving them a desire to be saved. And they put it off, 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 put it off. You're saying, preacher, I wish you'd shut up. I'm, I'm making a point here. It's a long resistance to the Spirit of God. And what happens as that person resists the Spirit of God's work in their heart is they begin to harden and become calloused to the Word of God. And at some point may even lash out as the Pharisees did with Jesus. Jesus was ministering and the Spirit of God was working in their heart and they said, that's of the devil. And Jesus said, you are guilty of an eternal sin. It wasn't that they lashed out at Jesus. It wasn't that they rejected his words. Many people have done that. The Spirit of God was dealing with them. And they lashed out at him. And when you do that, the Spirit of God says, okay. And he backs off. And without the Spirit of God, you can never come to faith. 
Because the Bible says no one can come to him except the Father draws him or the Spirit draws him. So, uh, there, there has to be a work of the Spirit. So, the person that commits the unpardonable sin has gotten so hard towards the things of God, they've lashed out of the Spirit. The Spirit of God's no longer striving with them. They are unable to be saved. They'll never have a desire to be saved. Somebody said, well, you know, have I committed the unpardonable sin? If you're worried about it, you haven't committed it. Okay? The person who's committed that sin has no interest in the things of God, no desire to be saved. They are forever sealed in their fate. Pretty serious thing. I believe that's what he's talking about here with the sin unto death. And so he's saying, look, if you pray for a fellow believer who has not committed this sin, God will grant him life. Listen, I want to tell you, there's a reason we pray for lost people in this prayer box. There's a reason we, we lift up our city to God in prayer. There's a reason that we pray for our friends and loved ones who don't know Christ. Because the Bible says God can intervene in their life and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. As long as they haven't committed this sin. It's an exception. And we don't know who's committed it, right? Most of the time. The Pharisees were pretty obvious, but most of the time we wouldn't necessarily know this. So, um, but we need to ask Jesus. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. I believe that Jesus wants us to ask him for what we need. We're his kids, right? Those of us who know him. Uh, my kids were never shy about telling me what they wanted, especially Megan. <laughs> I remember one year when Megan, Megan was about four. Every time she saw a commercial, she'd say, add that to my Christmas list. Every single time. I finally told her, I said, you know, the page was getting kind of long. I said, you know, Mom and Dad can, can only do so much here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, you know, but kids, you know, we, they just have a simple faith in God, don't they? Simple faith that they're, you know, to ask and, you know, they, they trust in the love of their parents. We're to trust God that way. And listen, God, God has enough wisdom because he, he knows all things to, to know when to say no, right? I asked him for a, cor, a shiny red Corvette convertible when I was in high school. And God said no. And I'm pretty glad he did. <laughs> I'd probably be dead today. Anyway, um, four life-changing habits. What should we do? Develop the habit to trust Jesus, ask Jesus, thirdly, show Jesus. Look at verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. Um, what he's talking about, John uses black and white statements throughout his book, but we know he's not talking about sinless perfection here. None of us are sinlessly perfect. He says in chapter 1, if a man says he's without sin, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. So that's not what he's talking about. But what he's saying is, the person that's born of God has a desire to please God, Okay? And that desire will be reflected in the decisions in their life. Well, none of us are perfect, 
But if you love Jesus, you're, you're going to seek to please him in your life. You're going to try to make those decisions. And when you do fail, you're going to want to stop that pattern of failure in your life and turn from it. That's the idea there. And it becomes a mark of the child of God uh, that, that they want to please God. And if you have no desire to please God, and you have no desire to live a righteous life, you need to question whether or not you're even saved. Your, your repentance in, in the Lord has happened. So, uh, but, but the habit I was talking about is showing Jesus. A person that is born of God has a spiritual life within them. And as you grow in Christ, more and more you begin to look like Jesus. My wife uh, posted a picture of me and my son yesterday on Facebook and our military pictures. You know, mine's kind of gotten a little bit old and kind of getting yellow because it was back before the hills were formed that I was in the, <laughs> in the service. But anyway, uh, we got a couple of comments. Boy, they sure do look alike. And we do. Uh, when you begin to grow in Christ, people are going to see Jesus in you. You're going to look like him. And what you say and what you do and how you respond to people, you're going to be showing them what Jesus is like. Now, there's some carnal Christians that don't show Jesus. They're in rebellion against Christ and God's disciplining them and so forth. But when you're walking with God, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You, you want to tell me somebody like that's not going to stand out? Listen, this, that's what this world needs. They need to see people who love Jesus, who are serving Jesus and following Jesus, regardless of what the culture says, who have the joy of the Lord despite what's on the news. Listen, I want to tell you, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You don't have to go around frustrated and angry. And listen, I'll confess, okay, I, while we're being real here, I'll just confess. I have been frustrated and angry at times when I've watched the news lately. But I don't want to stay there. I can take those frustrations to God and find His peace and find His joy and live in his joy. Listen, the apostles served when Nero was the ruler of the Roman Empire, and he was lighting Christians on fire in his garden. And the Bible says that they rejoiced in the Lord in their worship, and they honor God with their lives. Listen, how we live is not dependent upon what is happening in our government or what is happening in our country, or what is happening in our family. You have a decision as a child of God what you're going to do with your life each day. Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to sell out to Him and live for Him? If so, God will use you to, to reveal Jesus. There was a song that came out years ago, We Are His Hands, We Are His Feet. Believers in Jesus, children of the King. Uh, and that's true. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father, right? 
uh, he's omnipresent, so he can also be within our hearts. But Jesus is revealed to the world one way and one way only, and that is through God's people. What does Jesus look like? People will know that by what they see in us as we walk with God. Develop the habit of, and ask God to do this through you. Uh, we can't do this in our own strength. I sure can't do it, okay? I'm, I'm being honest. I cannot do this without God's help. But when I take my failures to Him and confess my sin, and I ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, and I surrender to Him, and I trust Him uh, by His strength in me, uh, and He lives out, there can be some glimpse. Hey, I'm imperfect. You're not going to see a perfect picture of Jesus here. But there might be a glimpse of him occasionally when I'm in the right spot. <laughs> and hopefully, as I live my life, those spots will get more frequent. And uh, listen, this is the hope of the world. I, I'm really convinced... I, I, I'm convinced that Jesus can change things in our country. I'm convinced that Jesus can change things in our families. I'm convinced that Jesus can bring hope to people who are broken. I've seen him lift people up. Show Jesus because what that will do is it will open people's ears to hear what you have to say. I hear some, sometimes, I hear, well, you know, I witness through my life. Well, you need to listen to more, from, more than your life because if people don't hear the message, they're not going to get saved. But you do need to witness through your life because it will open their ears. People don't care so much what you have to say until they see that you love them and they see the character of Christ in you. They'll be more open to, to hear what you have to say. So, four life-changing habits. Uh, trust Jesus, ask Jesus, show Jesus, and finally share Jesus. Verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one, that is in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. We know the true one, the true one, the true one. He mentions that several times in this passage. Why, why does he say it that way? Because they had some people who were trying to teach their church things about a false Jesus. So he's saying, here's the true one. There's a lot of ideas and opinions out there, right? We, in American society, we have all kinds of religions. We have, uh, some, we have cults and all these different things. There's religious opinion. There's political opinion. There's all of these things out there in the world. But can I tell you, we know the true one. And what did Jesus say? You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I'm convinced that there's one person that we need to make sure other people hear about, and that's Jesus Christ. Listen, I vote. I, have, I, I believe it's important to vote. I believe it's important to understand what's going on in our country. But listen, I, I'm not trying to, to point people to an individual in one of our parties as the answer to everything. I want to point it to Jesus. He is the true one. And he's the one who can set them free.
share Jesus. How do you do that? Well, one way you can do it is just by sharing what he's done for you. Right? Here's how Jesus changed my life. I love with the, the, the blind man. You remember, he was blind from birth, and Jesus heals him, and the Pharisees are angry about it because they don't like Jesus. And they're saying, well, what, what, you, what about this or what about that? His motives and his, what, why did he do this? And, and finally, the blind man just got frustrated with him. He's trying to talk to him, and they won't listen. He says, well, all I can say is this. Once I was blind, now I see. You see, we can share what Jesus has done for us great way to share Jesus with people. And they see in living flesh and blood what God has done to help an individual. And, and I said earlier, we serve a living God. And, and as God has worked, as he's answered your prayers, share it. As he works in your life and brings encouragement, share it. Let people know that God is active and at work in your life in the person of Jesus Christ. But here's, here's this, uh, also share the message of the gospel. Now, you, you don't have to be a theologian to share Jesus. I, you know, I, I've gone to classes and I've done all these different things, but you know what I've found over the years? It's good to be, it's good to be equipped and all of those things, but the Holy Spirit is what gives power in witnessing. And as you share, we had, we had this fellow in our church. It, I was actually served as a youth and music director at this church. And, uh, but, I mean, he was just an ordinary guy. You wouldn't, I mean, you would have thought, boy, this guy's really brilliant. Or, I mean, there's nothing really impressive about him. Very, very uh, ordinary, very simple in, in how he talked and how he lived. And um, nobody was impressed with him. Okay, I'm not talking about him. I'm just saying this is how he was. I want to tell you, that guy could lead anybody to Christ. He, he came up one, one day and he said, uh, he said here's my friend. Uh, she was a Jehovah's Witness and she gave her heart to Christ this afternoon. He hadn't been to any class. But he had the power of the Spirit upon his life. And as he shared the living, do you believe the living? Do you believe this word is living and active? You, you can share, I, I read a book about R.A. Torrey, this is really good, and R.A. Torrey would uh, repeat a scripture over and over again, as the Spirit led him in his conversations with people, and uh, he, he did this a number of times, and he shares about it in his book, but uh, this one particular instance, he just felt strongly led by the Spirit to emphasize this verse on judgment. So he told the guy, he was sharing the gospel, and he kept repeating this verse throughout his presentation. Three or four days later, the guy came to him and said, Help, I need to be saved. He said, well, I thought you weren't interested. He said, I hadn't been able to sleep at night. I keep hearing that verse in my head that you shared with me. Living, active, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Listen, somebody once asked Spurgeon, uh, are you going to defend the word of God? Spurgeon said, defend it. Just let it loose. It's a lion. As you share the word of God with people, 
He can take it and use it in a powerful way. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know the answer to every question and, and, and uh, uh, you know, be philosophical or whatever. I mean, none of those things are wrong. Just understand the gospel is a matter of power in the Spirit, and nobody's going to get saved because you present an argument. God may use an argument to move a person closer to Him, but they'll be saved because the Spirit of God has captured their heart. Share the message of the gospel. Great habit to develop. Sometimes we, I'll share, with you, I'll share just personally, I, at times uh, I've struggled and I, I will, I'll do, be, I'll do better at some times and then other times I don't do as well. And I say, okay, God, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of slacked off. Lord, help me in this area. Help me uh, be faithful to share. God will help you do it. So, so important. Share the message of the gospel. It's not our responsibility to win them to Christ. We're just the messengers. And that take the pressure off. You don't have to win anybody to Christ. You don't have to grab them by the throat and say, be saved. You don't have to twist their arm. You don't have to be at their, on their porch every other night. Okay? Listen, God can do it. Just be obedient to share. Four life-changing habits. What should we develop? Trust Jesus, ask Jesus, show Jesus, and share Jesus. And as you do, I'm convinced God will use you in a powerful way. In your family, at your workplace, in this community, in this church. And possibly around the world. We never know what God's going to do. Carlos Quijanos used to sit in that pew back there. A couple of pews from the back. He heard the gospel, was saved, got baptized in our baptistry, took notes in the Sunday school class back here in the room, and now he's in El Salvador telling people about Jesus. Tell me that God can't use us. Can't you tell I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit passionate about this? Listen, I want you to know God can change our lives as we develop these habits. Let's do it to the glory of God. If you're here today and uh, you're a child of God, I just want to ask you, say, Lord, tell God this in your heart. Lord, I am willing, I'm choosing by your grace to develop these habits of trusting you, sharing Jesus, showing Jesus these things, Lord, and um, I want to be used by you. I want to be effective as a Christian, and I want to walk in your joy. That's your heart. You just tell God right where you're sitting. Right now, you just tell him that in your heart. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, um, developing these habits uh, is, is hard to do without knowing him. But the good news is that Jesus has lived the perfect life that we, we couldn't live ourselves. And he died the death that we deserved at the cross for our sin. And the Bible says he rose again. And because of what he has done, we can be forgiven and have eternal life. I just want to encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, right where you are, just tell him, say, Lord, I'm choosing to turn from my sin in my own way to follow you. I'm choosing to receive the forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ. 
I want to live for you, Lord, but also I want you in my life. I want you to be in charge, and I want to receive your forgiveness right now. The specifics of the words are not so important as the condition of your heart, but surrender to him today and receive him into your life. Let him change you. Do that right now. You don't even have to get out of your pew to do that. Did you know that? Now, if you want me to, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll pray with you. I'll go over some scriptures with you after church. But you actually don't need a preacher to be saved. You don't even need a church building to be saved. You can be saved out in the community. If you surrender to Jesus and you put your trust in him, you'll be saved. That's the promise of, of God. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, if you make that decision, please let us know about it so we can pray for you. I've got a list that I pray for of people who've come to Christ. and uh, Also, let us know so we can help you and kind of give some guidance and next steps and so forth in your, in your walk with Christ. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. And Lord, as we uh, are here today as your people...